Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the LifePoint Palm Bay Sermon Podcast. We encourage you to make copies of this message, but please don't charge for those copies. If you'd like to know more about LifePoint Palm Bay, please visit LifePointPB.com. At the ushers, they uh, they have Bibles for you, and if maybe you've forgotten yours or left at home, I heard an Amber Alert a while ago. Uh, so if you've forgotten to silence your phone, which I have, all right. So why don't you do that right now? Just take and turn it quietly. Just turn it off and let it vibrate or whatever. If you don't know how to do that, find the nearest twelve-year-old and they will help you. All right. <laughs> and um, so, and here's the thing: uh, is Paul's coming to preach this morning? We were. We're, he's behind me. We were talking a couple of weeks ago, and I said, Paul, what's your favorite psalm? And he said, well, i got several, but he said, I really love Psalm 119. I said, man, you can't preach all of Psalm 119 in one week. And uh, he said, there's three verses in particular. And we began talking about this, and I asked him, I said, you, you want to bring that message? I think it's an important message. It's not an easy message, but it's an important message. So I'm going to pray for him as he brings it, because, again, I want you to understand that, especially as American Christians, there may not be a more important message for us to hear as American Christians, and what Paul's going to share with you this morning. Lord, I ask that you would be with Paul, that you would anoint him by your spirit, that you would speak through him, and Lord, that you would anoint our hearing, our ears, and our heart to be able to hear you, to hear what you want to say to us and to receive it. Lord, I pray that you would be glorified in our response to you today, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, there's a reason why Psalm 119 is dear and near to my heart. And there's a verse in it that I always use when I give my testimony. And it says, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. And that's a big part of my testimony. You see, God's gifted all of us with talents and abilities, and they're to be used to bring him glory. Well, I had some talents, but I didn't glorify God with them. I grew up and um, I was an athlete. I was a runner, an endurance athlete. Um, Got scholarships to college and all. Um, Always made me feel real important. And um, after college, I kind of slowed down that a little bit and got into the party scene and all that. I grew up in the Catholic Church, but I, I didn't have a real close relationship with God. I'm looking at my life and saying, I'm not very happy anymore. I used to be happier. And so I said, why was I so happy before? Oh, well, you know what? I was, I was running and it made me feel good because people accepted me and it made me feel good. So a friend said, hey, why don't we do triathlons? I said, good deal, let's try that. And this is probably around 29 years old or so. And within a half a year or so, I started racing, and I was one of the best in Florida. And what did that do? That, that gave me a spark again, you know? And so real excited, and, and there were some races coming up that would quali- qualify you for the Ironman competition. 
I remember laying in front of the TV when I was a kid. You remember those real big TVs that were in a box? And they were sat on the floor? Well, I remember laying in front of the TV, and I'd, I saw the Iron Man competition, and I'm like, wow, wouldn't that be awesome to be able to complete one of those? 2.4-mile swim, 112 miles on a bike, and then run a marathon? Man, that'd be cool. Well, here it is in front of me, and I'm starting to move up, and I decided to join a qualifying race up in Panama City. And guess what? I qualified. On my way to the Ironman in Hawaii. Man, that made me feel good. A lot of training. It's like a part-time job. I worked full-time, but I was training four or five hours a day. All of a sudden, something happened. I got real sick. Training four or five hours a day one day, and the next day, I couldn't walk from my bedroom to the, to the kitchen without stopping. I was like, what's going on? Well, this lasted for like two months. Being in bed. My memory, my short-term memory was leaving me too. I'd try to read something, and I'd forget halfway down the page what I was reading. The only thing that I could really do that would entertain myself is watch TV or go to the movies. So I, one day, it, it took me about a half hour to get from my bedroom out to the car, and I drove to a movie theater, and I watched a movie. Didn't pick a very good one. It was very depressing. On top of the depression that I already had, this wasn't good. My doctor told me that if I continue, because I'd start feeling a little better, so I'd try to go to work, and he says, hey, I know people in wheelchairs for the rest of their lives because they don't take rest. You need to take rest. But here I am, depressed, coming out of this movie, depressed. It's pouring down rain. That always makes you feel good too, right? Driving down the highway, and I'm in the fast lane, but there's an 18-wheeler coming up behind me, and he's honking his horn and flashing his lights. And uh, the first thought in my head was to pull over, right? No. The first thought in my mind was slam on your brakes. Life's not worth living. I had gotten that far down where I was so depressed. I didn't want to live. But something inside me said, what about the people in the cars around you? What about the guy in the truck? Do you want to be held responsible for that? I said, no. So I pulled over on the side of the road. And the first thing I did, I, I started cussing God. I mean, not with cuss words, but God, why did you let this happen? I knew enough growing up who God was, right? And that God is all powerful. He could have stopped that from happening. God, why did you let this happen? God, I'm a good person. I haven't done anything intentionally to hurt anyone. Why are you letting this happen? And you know what he did? In my mind, I saw myself at the Iron Man. 
and I was being called up onto the stage to receive an award. And everybody's clapping and cheering. And they're calling out my name. They knew who I was. And God said, can't you see what you're doing? I said, no. He said, you're trying to put yourself up on a pedestal for people to worship you. He said, he said, I created you to worship me. And I pulled over on the side of the road and I started weeping like a baby for about a half hour. And he began to speak to me. Finally, I could see through the tears and I started driving. God was trying to get my attention. And he did. Do you know that he's faithful? Before I was seeking him, he was seeking me. There might be some of you here who don't have a relationship with God. You might be going through some hard times. It might be part of God's plan to get your attention. Trials are never fun when you're going through them, are they? But God has a plan. Do you know that God is sovereign? He's in control of all things. Now, it doesn't mean that God causes these things all the time, but sometimes he does. Now, I don't know if you want to turn in. We're going to be going all over the place besides just Psalm 119. But in John 16, 33... Jesus said this. He said, In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Guys, trials are going to come. I know there's some churches out there that say, Hey, become a Christian and all your problems disappear. I don't know who the, where they got that from, but it's not true. In fact, most of the tribulation that we receive is because we're pressing into God and doing what he tells us to do and the persecution's coming. But he says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. If you are in Christ, you're an overcomer also. You have his spirit dwelling within you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. We are seated in the heavenlies with Christ Jesus. Though right now it doesn't feel like we're overcomers, we will be. And we can overcome because he's in us. Okay? Isn't it interesting God's timing? The ladies this week started a new Bible study. And it's in 2 Corinthians. And I want, want to go there right now. And I'm going to start in verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 8 through 11. Paul says, For we do not 
want you to be unaware, brothers, to the afflictions we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Do you see that? That but that's in there? There's a reason that's there. Okay? But that was to make us rely on ourselves, or not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Sometimes God uses affliction or trouble in our lives so that our eyes will come off the problem or that our eyes will come off of ourselves like it did with me and shift them to God. He delivered us from such a deadly peril. I love this. And he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. That's very important for all of us, isn't it? God is faithful. He will deliver us. He took them through one trial to the point where they were inches away from death. And he showed them, hey, I'm here. Trust in me. You also, I love this part here, you also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted to us through the prayers of many. So God is helping us, right? You remember that, that when it's after the first song, people started talking, and how God would always be there, how he would meet our needs and he would help us? He will. But we're to help one another also. And guys, this is the most important thing that we can do. It's to pray for one another. The Bible says to we're, we're to encourage one another. So often we want to tell people what they should do. Well, this, you know why you're in this problem? Because you did this and that and that and that, and this is what you need to do. How many feel encouraged when that happens? But when someone says, hey, let me pray for you. Hey, I've been praying for you. And then we get to share. When we see God deliver, we get to share in that. Oh, God, you're faithful. God, you answered prayer again. Now go up to verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction. Oh, here's another good word. So that, the reason that he comforts us, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves have been comforted by God. So here's another way we can help, isn't it? When God comforts us through our afflictions, guess what? We get to comfort others. Remember Job's friends? Man, they started off good, didn't they? They just came alongside him 
And they didn't say a word. They just sat with them. It says that we're to mourn with those who are mourning. We're to rejoice with those who are rejoicing. So um, with, with the comfort in which we ourselves have been comforted by God, for as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. The more we go through and the more we have our eyes on God, the more comforted we are. And this is by God. No one can comfort like him. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And it, that was right, yeah. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffered. So one thing I have a hard time with there is that word patient, as we patiently endure. We so often want to get out from under it. Sometimes God wants to keep us in it to teach us a lesson. Job didn't get out of it right away, did he? He had to learn some lessons first. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 no trial has overtaken you that is not faced by others. And God is faithful. There's that word again. God is faithful. He will not let you be tried beyond what you are able to bear. But with the trial will also provide a way out so that you may be able to endure it. God's faithful. You're going to go through some trials, but he's going to be there. And he's not going to allow you to be tried beyond what you're able. How many of you have felt like, I don't know if that's true. I'm, I'm feeling so burdened right now. God, I, I can't do it. It's true. Apart from him, we can do nothing. But with Christ, we can do all things. He will get you through. Take your eyes off the situation. Put them on Christ. He'll bring you through. Psalm 121.1 says, I lift my eyes to the hills, for where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord the maker of heaven and earth. I love God's creation. I could just imagine the psalmist at this point just being so upset, maybe going out for a walk and seeing the hills or maybe seeing the stars or saying, wow, the one who made these things, he can help me. I might not be able to help myself right now, but I know someone that can. The maker of the heavens and the earth. 
He's there for you. All right, now we'll get into Psalm 119, since that's what this study's about. I'm going to start at verse 50. It says, This is my comfort in my affliction, that your promise gives me life, or that your word gives me life. This is my comfort in my affliction. There's nothing like the word of God and his promises to lift you out of the funk, to lift you out of what you're going through. His word will do it. And that's, that, was, that was the psalmist here who we know is David. That was his heart. I mean, there's one thing that I really love about Psalm 119 is the love that David has for God's word. I mean, he eats it and lives it and breathes it. He's like, I love your word, God. This means so much to me. Why? We'll see that in a little bit. It said, the insolent utterly deride me, but I do not turn away from your law. When I think of your rules from of old, I take comfort, O God. Or, O Lord, hot indignation seizes me because of the wicked who forsake your law. Your statutes have been my songs in the house of my sojourning. Let me read that again. Your statutes have been my songs in the house of my sojourning. What's he talking about? What's the house of sojourning? Remember, for a while, David really didn't have any place to live, did he? Saul's hot after him, wanted to kill him. And yet, in the midst of all that, he's saying, your statutes have been my song. God, I look at your rules. I look at what your word has told me. Man, that rejoices my heart. Even though I'm, I'm being chased like a dog, God, I'm singing your words. I remember your name in the night, O Lord, and keep your law. The blessings, this blessing has fallen to me that I have kept your precepts. Has anyone ever thought of that as a blessing? Man, I do whatever God tells me to do. This is my blessing. Man, I rejoice in doing what you want me to do. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. And look at the next verse. It says, the Lord is my portion. I promise to keep your words. In other words, out of my love for you, because you're my all in all, God, man, I just want to do what you tell me to do. God, I know that anything that you tell me is good. It might not always result in the best things, right? Remember Joseph? He said, hey, no, I can't do this. And he was thrown in prison. The apostles, they're going out and spreading the good news like God tells them to, and they're being stoned. But yet, David's saying, man, I'm going to do it anyway. Because God, there's something I know about you. You're holy, 
you're righteous, you're faithful, you're all-knowing, you're all-powerful. God, I believe that anything you tell me to do, I want to do it. No matter the consequences, I'm going to do it. Is God our portion? If he is, we'll have the right attitude, won't we? We're going through a little Bible study, and we're looking at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. And so often we grow up eating off that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Do this, don't do that. Instead of just going to the tree of life and receiving from him and desiring simply to do it because it's good for us. Because he tells us to do it. I entreat your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. When I think of my ways, I turn my feet to your testimonies. I was thinking about that. I'm saying, when I think of my way, so maybe he's gone through a hard time and his flesh is saying, hey, do this. Right? But so he says, when I think of my ways, I probably shouldn't do that. I turn my feet to your testimonies. God, what you, what you tell me to do is the best thing. No matter how I feel, I'm going to do what you tell me to do. And it says, I hasten and do not delay to keep your commandments. Is that our heart? Or do we want to stew on, that person made me feel like this, so I'm going to, I'm going to stew it and I'm going to get, them, get even with them and I'm going to, or do we say, no, that's wrong. Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. That doesn't line up with your word, God. Nah, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do what your word says. Though the cords of the wicked ensnare me, I do not forget your law. At midnight, I rise to praise you. Because of your righteous rules. Because of this, because of God's rules, because of his law, because of his word, David's getting up at midnight and praising God. I'm a champion. Oh, I'm a companion, rather. I'm a companion of all who fear you, of those who keep your precepts. David kept good company. He surrounded himself with like-minded people. Guys, that's so important. So important. Who are you hanging around? Are you hanging around those people who love God, who love his word, who want to do what's right? Or are you hanging around those who are willing to compromise? The earth, O Lord, is full of your steadfast love. Teach me your statutes. You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Here's the verse that got me. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. It was tough going through that time in my life, but guess what? I look back now, I am so grateful that God got my attention. I'm so grateful instead of being on the path that I thought was best for me. See, I thought I was sovereign. I thought I was in control of my life. And God said, no, I'm sovereign. I'm sovereign. 
I know what's best for you, Paul. I know this is going to hurt for a little while, but in the end, it's going to be good for you. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. The insolent smear me with lies, but with my whole heart, I keep your precepts. Their heart is unfeeling like fat, but I delight in your law. I was looking at that verse, their heart is unfeeling like fat. Yeah, fat doesn't have much feeling. I wonder how often I have a fat heart. Towards those who are going through, through situations. And I just want to give advice instead of just comforting them. Instead of just praying for them. It is good for me that I was afflicted. And that's what I say too. That I might learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Guys, do we value this more than thousands of gold and silver pieces? Think about it. David's saying, man, I love your word. Love it more than anything. Okay, now it gets hard. Ecclesiastes 7, 8 through 14. Better is the end of a thing than its beginning. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Be not quick in your spirit to become angry. For anger lodges in the heart of fools. Say not... Why were the former days better than these? You see, we like to think that we're in charge of our lives. And if we do this, this result's going to happen. If we do that, that result's going to happen. And, and we're on this path and everything's going, going right. All our ducks are in a row, right? And then all of a sudden something happens. That verse, that, that would come out of my mouth. Hey, why were things better before? What's going on here? Is that normal? I think so. In our flesh, when we're going through a hard time. Even the angry part, right? The Bible says, be angry yet don't sin. You're gonna, it's going to happen, guys. In the flesh, you're going to say, why did this happen? But what I want you to do, hopefully, and I want to do it myself too, is to stop and think. God, you're sovereign. God, I don't understand it, but you're in control. You're allowing this to happen in my life. You guys were here on Wednesday night. Um, Pastor Jim was teaching and he said, 9-11, could God have stopped that? Certainly. Did he stop it? No. But yet God was in control. I have a friend of mine that I was very close with in high school. Her husband was killed. 
He was a police officer. He went into the towers. It's hard to wrap our minds around it. For this is not wisdom to, uh, that, that you ask this. Wisdom is good with an inheritance, an advantage to those who see the sun. For the protection of wisdom is like the protection of money, and the advantage of knowledge is, is that wisdom preserves the life of him who has it. Now here's, listen to this. Consider the work of God. Who can make straight what God has made crooked? What would the answer be to that? No one. No one can make crooked or, or straight what God has made crooked. In the day of prosperity, be joyful. Okay, that's easy. And the, in the day of adversity, consider God has made the one as well as the other. If anyone can explain that to me and understands it completely, let me know. Okay? But this is what it says here. It says, in the day of adversity, consider God has made the one as well as the other. So that man may not find out anything uh, that will be after him. In other words, we think that we're in control. We think that we can control our own destiny. Can we? Do we know what's going to happen tomorrow? We don't. But he does. And he allows prosperity and he allows adversity. It's a tough one, isn't it? You know those tensions that Troy talks about? Where the, the house comes together like this and that's the strongest point? What about the sovereignty of God and the free will of man? That's one of those places, isn't it? Now wait, someone can do what they want and yet God is still in control. What about Joseph's brothers? What did they do? They did whatever they wanted, right? They threw him in a pit. They sold him. What did Joseph say at the end of his life? When his father died and his brothers are like, uh-oh, Joseph was only being nice to us because dad was alive. Now we're going to get it. And it, it brought him to tears. You know what he said? He said, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Wow. I don't understand it all. It says in Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You know what we, we have to do? We have to say, okay, God, you know what you're doing. God, I know it feels like I can't get through this, but your word promises me that you won't allow me to have anything more than I can handle. God, this is hard. But God, I'm going to put my trust in you because your ways are higher than my ways. 
Man, if we could figure God out, that would knock Him down a few notches, wouldn't it? He knows what's best. Here's another one, Romans 8.28. We all know this one, don't we? And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purposes. All things work together for good. Can you wrap your mind around that? Sure, once we come through the situation, right, with me getting sick, and, and God did something in my life, He took me and He said, Paul, it's not about you. It's about me. And He opened my eyes. And I started going to church and I took an altar call and I said, my life's not my own. It's been bought with a price. God, how can I glorify you in my life? You know, before I wanted to go up on that stage so people would yell and scream and it'd make me feel so good. You know what touches my heart so much now? When you see sports on TV and the talents that God's gifted people with, and they take a knee and they point to heaven. He's the one that gets the glory. I never got to do that. It was all about me. God's gifted us with so many different things. Are we going to glorify God? Or are we going to glorify ourselves? Genesis 50. Oh, we went through that already. That's where, um, where Joseph's talking to his brothers. Exodus 4.11. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? This is not I, says the Lord. It's a hard one too, isn't it? We like to say, well, the mother was on drugs or the, this happened and this, so that person was born blind. What is God saying? I did it. Can you wrap your mind around that? That's hard. Remember with the guy that was born blind and the, the disciples said, Jesus, who sinned? This, this man or his parents that he was born this way? What did Jesus say? Neither one. He was born this way for my glory. Sometimes we just have to say, okay, God, you're God. I'm going to trust in you regardless because of your promises. Right? He's promised us things in here. He'll never leave us or forsake us. Doesn't always feel like it, but he does. In James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, this is how we're supposed to live. Count it all joy, my brothers when you meet trials of various kinds. Count it all joy. Now, is that going to happen right when it comes on you? 
I doubt it. I know it doesn't with me. But this is how we're supposed to live. Count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. God wants to take us from where we are, and he wants to move us further down the line. He wants us to be conformed more and more into the image of Christ. Paul said, hey, through my sufferings, guess what? I'm becoming more like Christ. And he wants to use us to reach others. Okay? I got a quick little video. I want you guys to see this. Turn on the video. My name is Johnny Perese, and I'm a second child out of seven that were born, three of us, my older brother, myself, and the fourth child, Tina, were born with a disease called spinal muscular atrophy. It's a disease that's related to muscular dystrophy that um, basically prohibits us from using our muscles and therefore the body weakens and um, usually patients with this disease die of complications with pneumonia or other respiratory uh, related illnesses. My sister died at age four and um, by the grace of God, both my brother and I are still living. Bernie just turned 50 and I turned 48 in August. As a young child, I could sit in a wheelchair, I could feed myself, and I could write. As I get into my teen years, those things became more difficult. And by the time I was in my early 20s, I was confined to bed and had no more movement of my hands. Um, I'm really dependent upon my voice for everything now. About 10 years ago, my doctor had told me that I should really prepare to put my personal things in order he didn't expect me to live. Um, at that time, they performed a tracheostomy and they gave me a feeding tube in my stomach. Since then, that's been permanent that um, I have to eat now through a tube in my stomach, uh, all liquid diet. And um, when my lungs get congested, I have to have a tube go down my trach to suction. So. Well, life is uh, difficult at times, but it is for all of us. Um, the struggles that I have um, are common to all Christians. I love sports. I, um, I'm a big Boston Red Sox fan and New England Patriots fan, but um, I also am a member of Emmanuel Baptist Church, and I'm very involved with the church. Um, I do a lot of counseling uh, with people who either had disabilities or um, on the internet. Um, I taught myself HTML, and so using a voice recognition computer system, I'm able to create websites, write letters, and read the scriptures, and do a whole host of things. Go to Faris.com. I have two websites that I maintain. One is Faris.com, and that's a personal website where it gives information about my history. It has links 
other Christian resources. Testimonies of individuals who have overcome the difficult trials of life through faith in Jesus Christ. To generate a little bit of extra income, I do do some uh, websites, and I have several accounts in which I have built a website and maintained them. Basically, this box allows me to dial the phone, answer the phone, control um, the lights, the fans, television, stereo, anything that's electrical. It's very rewarding to see how God has used Johnny. I feel like um, Aaron holding up Moses' hand sometimes. Um, Johnny has been used greatly in, in literally hundreds of people's lives to help them, encourage them to um, give them hope and inspiration. Okay, Tom. I've had um, opportunities through the internet to counsel people regarding suicide, abortion, um, when counseling um, somebody who's considering an abortion, I try to use my life as an example and to demonstrate that um, I live a very uh, content, happy life. Uh, that's productive. Um, I feel that my life is um, very valuable and that I am a very, my life is very rich in quality. Um, who has the right to determine what quality is? Um, we find peace and joy in the Lord as Christians and, um, and as, as, as such, that drives us and motivates us to serve the Lord and to live our lives for Him and to minister to the needs of others. And that's very enriching. And I believe that's the highest quality of life that anyone could live. Yet I believe the world views it quite different. They determine the quality of life based on health, wealth, and prosperity. And that, of course, is a deception. Um, it doesn't satisfy. One of Johnny's favorite Bible verses is, it is good that I have been afflicted that I might learn your statutes? It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of coins of gold and silver. Your hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments, because I have hoped in your word. I know, O Lord, that your judgments are right, and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. I reject the phrase, God allowed me to be born with spinal muscular atrophy. Um, God didn't allow it. God designed it. Um, it was God's eternal purpose for me to have this disease. Um, certainly, I won't know all the answers to the question why until I get to heaven and have the opportunity to, to ask the Lord face to face. But um, I do believe that His ways and purposes are just, they're holy, and they're good. And this I believe with my whole heart. So I live each day of my life trusting and believing in that and seeing God work. And He has worked, not only in my life, but in the lives of others as a direct result of my affliction. And He gets all the glory. So that's very satisfying. was real encouraging to me 
when I look at my life and all the things that I can do, and so often I sometimes say, well, I can't do this, I can't do that. We can all do something for God. Even in the tough times, God wants to take those things and turn them around to bring him glory. This man is with the Lord right now. But he managed to bring God glory in his life. He couldn't move from here down. And yet God used him. He was a counselor. God's designed us to bring him glory. And though we might not understand why God lets certain things happen or why he does certain things, we need to trust him. He's trustworthy. We're done, but if anyone would like prayer, there'll be people up here to pray with you guys. God's faithful. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. God, I am so glad that you are in control of my life. God, God, use all of us, Lord, for your glory. God, when hard situations come, may we depend upon you, God. May we trust you. God, we want to bring you glory. We thank you for your word. Use it in our lives, God. I pray that we would value your word the way that David did. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.